Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Smo Knows the Podcast. I'm your host, Smo. And I'm SB. And today we're going to be talking about our child, I guess. <laughs> our love child. Our love child. Um, my book, yes. My Life in a Jar, The Book of Smo. Um, we're going to talk about the whole experience mm-hmm. of writing. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, that's perfect right there. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly of the book of Smo. The book of Smo. Writing the book, reading the book, living the book, everything about the book mm-hmm. we can share. Our experience with the book. Yeah. And um, if you want to write a book, maybe some tips and pointers. Yeah. I mean, because there's nothing stopping you from writing your book if I can write mine. Absolutely. That is for sure. I would encourage everyone to at least go through the steps of writing a book maybe preparing to write a book because that was extremely therapeutic. Lots of perseverance. For some. It's therapeutic for you. It was very therapeutic for me just to get, I think once you get through your timeline, when you've lived for 43 years, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen regardless of what you do. Even if you just sit still in one place, 43 years of, activity around you is going to generate a lot of stories but for someone that was moving at a high rate of speed and a high rate of volume in some uncharted territory like myself mm-hmm. it was very therapeutic right and it's and kind of at the point of your career that it seems necessary yes there, there's a there are enough things that have happened that have raised question mm-hmm. and have developed interest among a large number of people mm-hmm. that I felt like they deserved mm, the document to explain most. Yeah, just most the backstory. Asked. Yeah, the backstory. Yeah. Well, and getting to the point of why I wrote the book, you know, uh, there's there's a merch table, as mm-hmm. you're well aware of now. Yes. Every night, people ask a lot of the same questions. Mm-hmm. How'd you start doing that? How'd you become Smo? Where'd you get your name? What's your mama doing? How'd you lose so much weight? How'd you do this? How'd you do that? What happened to the TV show? All valid questions. Mm -hmm. All worth an answer. Mm -hmm. So in in the attempts to answer that those questions all in one sitting, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? It'd be cool to put out a book and just kind of give everybody the gist of what they want to know need to know and what i'm what i want to share mm-hmm. so so walk us through how you began that process well whenever i realized i wanted to write a book i was blessed with a gentleman that came into my life um, via a video documentary interview So I was doing a documentary and a guy that came out or I was being interviewed for a documentary and the the guy that came out to interview me and to lead the production was Jake Brown. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I met Jake, it was the first time we had met. Uh, He was a very interesting guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like interesting people. And I was very... uh, interested in what he did whenever he said he was an author 
Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, an author. You don't meet, you don't meet many authors. I meet a lot of musicians. I meet a ton of rappers, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, production people, but author, that's a slim list mm-hmm. that I have. So I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool, like, to write a book. And he's like, yeah, I've done, I, I think at the time it was like 46 six or 47 books. And I was like, wow, it's a lot of books. Mm-hmm. It's way more books than I've read. You've written, you know. Um, so I was intrigued about the the process, what it takes, what, what it would be like to actually write a book. And then, you know, I, once I showed interest, he showed the same interest as well because it seemed like a hot topic, mm-hmm. you know, Big Smo, the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And this was 2017? Yeah. This was around 2017. So, yeah. 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 At the first. Yeah. It was. Late 2016. 2016, like December is when we met. Right. So it was around. 2017 maybe mm-hmm. like maybe as soon as february yeah yeah we were doing interviews he was interviewing me and that's how it started off it was like let's sit down <clears throat> and let's just do some interviews mm-hmm. let me ask you some questions and then after he you know got those questions from me then we we built out a timeline mm-hmm. from birth to present time and uh what you do is you just go through and you, you make a five year mark along your entire from, for me, it was 1976 to 2017 mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and you make a five year mark and then it goes from, you know, um, after you achieve a certain uh, position in your life where you're trying to reach professionally, personally, whatever you're point is of your book mine was me being my my professional life Mm -hmm. once it reached a point then we started to break that down into not into five-year increments but more into like event Mm -hmm. you know big event increments so um, it was really like the building out of my childhood uh, that led to really where the artistic love for music and and writing and and just art in general like where did that impact where was that influence how did it grow what was you know sometimes there's uh, a situation that happens that may lead to you really exploring that so that's what the story is about it's about you know where I came from what I grew up influenced by how I was um, moved by by music and how really writing came to my rescue when I needed it. And then um, as far as like uh, personal, you know, some things that my fans probably don't know about me Mm -hmm. uh, health wise when I was a child and then leading up to, you know, some trouble that I got into, which really led to me becoming more of a writer and a creator Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the relationships that I built along the way in life that then led to uh, long, like lifelong relationships and business uh, and in and in 
creative, being creative, you know, like whenever I met O'Rig mm-hmm. and how he was such a big influence on not, not only my, my musical life, because a lot of people would think that O'Rig was just a big influence on my musical life because it's like when the rapper met the DJ, but a lot mm-hmm. of people don't understand that O'Rig was a big part of me probably changing my life from being a a, a little wilder mm-hmm. uh, to more like focused on my my craft. So, um, and then my relationship with my my, my mother, my father, my brother, uh, some big influences along the way, you know. Your book does something unique that a lot of autobiographies and just a lot of books in general don't do. Instead of it being solely your story, y'all had a little idea for a little twist. So explain how the book reads to someone if they just picked up the book today. So I'm holding a copy of the book right here. This is the paperback. And uh, you'll notice when you get into a few pages in into the, I guess, the contents, rather. It would be page nine of contents. That's what IX is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So page nine of the contents, you'll notice that there's a guest list. Um, pretty much like you would, a guest list, like what I would have at a club or a venue or a show, mm-hmm. any kind of event where I had people that I knew that were coming to be a part of the event or to show up to watch or whatever, so... There's a guest list in the front, and it's uh, it's about 30, 31, actually, people on the guest list. And what we did is we interviewed, or Jake interviewed, uh, these 31 people for my book. And you get to hear along the way the story that I'm telling, not only from my point of view, or from, mm-hmm. from my mouth, but from the, uh, from the guest list as well. And we've got, you know, everybody in here from, like I said, my brother, my mother, my high school friends, uh, family friends, uh, O-Rig, you know, uh, Haystack, uh, even like Jeff McCool and Charlie Bonnet, those guys from early in my career, my boy Relapse, uh, people that I still work with, like D-Ray, the Clay from the Lax, Demon Jones, Bird from the Bandits, uh, to people that I don't, you know, that I don't work with anymore, like my old manager and some old booking agents, some old band members, uh, some co-writers that I wrote some great music with. Just a great, really, it's like a cast. Mm-hmm. I just call it the guest list. Um, <clears throat> so your book is unique that it's not only you providing the narrative, but your mom speaks, the girls speak. So it's yeah. really cool. Stephen Ladybugger Stephen in here. Stephen Ladybugger in it. My old bus driver. So, yeah, it's it has... Uh, so it's like a group of people telling your telling story. Telling my story that, you know, uh, that are like talking about it right along with me, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd like to... I was trying to find a page to read, something to read out of here that maybe... Okay, so here's a good example. <clears throat> This is on page 22. Um, this is my, my best friend in high school, Andy, uh, talking here. He says, the first one that we put a bomb in probably blew up 100 feet from the house. It twisted inside out and looked like Terminator 2. 
We loved that so much that we decided to keep going until we ran out of bombs. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's from Andy. And then it picks up with me next saying, we targeted the fancy mailboxes with the bricks around them. Andy drove while I hung out the passenger window, sticking a bomb in each of the boxes. I lit the fuse and Andy drove far enough away where we could still watch the boom. A fireball of mushroom a fireball and mushroom cloud exploded out of the hole where the box had been. We blew up over seventeen mailboxes that night. We still had some powder left and powder meaning black powder. Oh, yeah, black <laughs> Let's powder. be gunpowder. Uh, so we decided lately. to upgrade our bomb design from airplane bottles to a mason jar. So we were using little <laughs> airplane whiskey bottles and baby food jars as basically housing for homemade bombs, but we decided to up it to, we had a bunch of this black powder, which is how we got caught. Mm -hmm. The person that bought it for us wound up snitching us out. So we we filled up like a, you know, like a tea size, like a tea glass Mm -hmm. size mason jar um, with black powder. And we ran, I was making the fuses, like Mm -hmm. homemade fuses, time bottle rocket fuses together, very dangerous. And we'd hang it out like a foot outside of the jar, a fuse that was like a foot long and light it. So here we go. We decided to upgrade our bomb design from the airplane bottles to a mason jar. Highway 231 was just two lanes back then. So if you're from here and you know Mm -hmm. Highway 231, it's a four-lane highway now. At this time, it was just a two-lane road. It was two lanes back then, and the glow of the Pepsi machine on the porch of of Midway Diner was like a beacon. (laughs) <laughs> which at the time was it, not it Midway wasn't Diner. Midway Diner but to it's let you know same spot. yeah but it's yeah. the same location Midway Diner is now uh-huh. but then when I was 14 and this incident happened it was like a gas station yeah it was like yeah. a little a convenience store very small little gas station <laughs> but it was like and it was a Pepsi machine on the front and see so yeah, that's that just goes to show, you know, it's like a, that's an, a great example. It goes from Andy mm-hmm. telling about what we were doing and then I pick it up and then it like next it goes to somebody else mm-hmm. and then back to me and then somebody else. And it's, you know, it's it's called my life in a jar because I didn't give you nobody wants to hear about your entire life. <laughs> you don't want to hear about everything. And I don't really want to talk about everything Mm -hmm. so it's it's my life that was worth talking about for for me and you know putting it in a nice little jar a consumable so i can i can consumable project that's exactly it's a consumable project when we're talking about um the process of actually writing the book so you and Jake and I was around for those the just interviews. Yeah, and you interviews were here for the whole interviews thing. Interviews and interviews, and I mean there were people, myself included, that were interviewed that aren't in the book. Yeah, there's a was, lot of people that didn't make the cut. So just explain the process of whittling through. How do we okay. keep what we keep? What was that process? So the first thing that we did. We said that it's our child. Maybe we should explain where that yes. comes from. I'll let you explain. <laughs> the child. Well, talk, talk about the process. Well, okay. So the process of, we call it the process of elimination because mm-hmm. we, we had the, the manuscript for this thing was like 500 pages long, Yes, you know, and once you get your hand on the book, 
when you're talking about pictures and all the extra stuff, you're looking at 207 pages. Yeah. It's equally like the cookbooks. If you already yeah. have the cookbook, they kind of feel it's, the same. It's a nice, like I said, consumable project mm-hmm. because anything over 200 pages felt like it was going to be hard for me to ask my fans to mm-hmm. commit to. You know, I mean, you asked me to read 200 pages of something. I'm probably going to tell you to kiss my ass. Did you read the 200 pages? Of something. Of what? Remember the big manuscript? I did. Oh, actually, I didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I Look, the manuscript was so painful to just read through that I had to hire a student from, what was that college? Tribeca? Tribeca. Tribeca, somewhere. So I hired a girl from a college in Nashville to come and read the book to me <laughs> while I continued to work. I had a ton of work going on at the time because we were finishing up the album. Well, and you and I had different visions for the book, and there was a very long time that I was not participating. Yeah. That was your project. I wanted you to see that through and you take care of it because we had different visions for how we wanted right. it to go. It was a tell-all. I had a job that I was very much involved in. John wanted to take the approach of a tell-all for a book. I am a huge reader. I love to read. I love autobiographies. I love reading about other people's lives. And I already kind of knew the dangers of what a tell-all can be, both legally and personally, what that can do to you and your relationships. And I am of the approach that mystery is more attractive sometimes. And that... You can fill in the blanks. Well, and... Intimacy exists for a reason. If you tell everything to everyone, you have nothing to share for special people. Right. So, you know, that's that's also another thing that I feel in my life is like mystery is, is good for. Right. It's and we classy. removed the big thing that we removed was all the negativity. Well, and that's another thing. A book lives forever. Yes. And that was something that, you know, your children aren't entirely grown. Um, sometimes I feel like permission, at, like from a parental child, you know, to me, admission is permission. If I knew my parents did it, shoot, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't want it to be something that your kids read and be like, well, dad did all these things. What do I care? You know, Must so, be okay if I do them. Yeah. So it was just one of those things that we just felt like not all things in our lives as humans, not just mm-hmm. you. Well, I'd already I, I been through this shit not, once with yeah, a TV show. Exactly. And, and knew so, how dangerous it was. And and so I chose as a partner to say that I could not participate in that project. I didn't want to be a part of it. And right. we we had taken a very, very long attempts and tried very, very hard to separate our lives. Right. From professional and personal. Yes. Yes. Right. That we were John and Sarah Beth and you went and did smo things and I went and did my things. Right. Yeah. So I think that was another thing too, is we were so used to living so privately that I was terrified of what the book was going to bring out at the woodwork. Right. Legally or for any reason. And and I'm not even talking about past relationships. I'm talking about just, there's some things legally that are still up in the air right now. Right. That we didn't really need to talk about. So it was, you wanted to tell all. Yeah, it was going to be a tell-all. I and then, wanted to tell nothing but the good stuff. And then I came to realize that <clears throat> dialing it back to a consumable project that removed any kind of negativity, didn't let any kind of bad 
uh, vibes or relationships or anything like that exist or, you know, we just cut out all the crap, basically. And it left a very nice, very easy, easily read. Um, yeah, it's still very true. Very true and too, and very informative. But it's fair to only tell your truth. Right. It's not fair to tell other people's truths in your story. And mm-hmm. so that was something that we decided together because I was left a 500-page manuscript. To edit through. To edit through. Because I finally said, yep, we're going to do it. Fine. We're going to do it. And the reason why you said that the manuscript was so painfully written, it just wasn't written for our audience. We had thought it was going to be more like John telling his story, and it was more like someone telling a story about John, kind of. Yeah. So it, it just was something that it has been my dream my whole life to do something with a book, and you let me do that. There it is. Um, so the the most fun thing that I had doing the book was probably uh, the photos. I enjoy going through and picking out all of the uh, childhood photos, things that I had forgotten, pictures of me and my brother, things of me and my mom, uh, family photos that we had posed for like painfully throughout, well, I'd say 12 years of evolving from a very awkward looking fat buck tooth child to whatever I've become today. So it's fun to like go through all in a setting and like see the, um, the, the evolution of myself and, you know, the people that were in my life and some getting to see people that aren't in my life anymore. So it was very rewarding uh, when it comes to the pictures and then being able to put, you know, we did a thing online where we did the kinfolk stories and they were able to submit some of their like stories of meeting me, which we added to the book. And I thought that did really well. The artwork turned out great. It coincides with the cover of the the album. This one's for you. There's like a the picture that's on the album is on the cover of the book inside the jar. So there's some little always try to do something creative in the sense of like, here's a little thing that carries over to this other project. See if you can find it. What's been your favorite thing about doing the book? I guess like revisiting the timeline, remembering the things that I have done that was like so long ago that I haven't thought about. Um, Thinking about, you know, growing up as a kid on the farm, reliving a lot of memories with my dad. Um, There's just a lot about the book. Like I said, the photos was a big deal, you know, because now I've got all those photos out and in one place and just, you know, documenting my life. There's a chunk of my life that now will live on forever. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I think in the process of doing the book, I thought a couple of times about if something happened and we lost power, mm-hmm. you know, like the world lost power. And there was no sun. There was no now everything. The batteries are dead and there's mm-hmm. nothing. But there's still books. Mm-hmm. And I get to live in that pile of never ending shit. Yeah. <laughs> of information uh, in a book. So I think that's kind of cool. So as one that doesn't, is not, you said you're not much of a book lover, but now doing this, have you found a new appreciation for the book world? Yeah. Book fans? I think that it's, um, it's very rewarding in so many different ways. And I haven't even had one single monetary reward come from it. Mm-hmm. I, 
I have several copies of the book for sale. <laughs> so um, before there's any, even any, and I think that's important to say because most people are fueled by monetary reward. And I, I haven't even received a monetary reward for the three and a half, four years that we put into this book. And I've I already feel rewarded. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I think just having the book is a big deal. Um, I'm excited about uh, selling it and sharing the story, you know, and then getting the feedback and then possibly even uh, writing another book that's not doesn't have to be so uh, my life, you mm -hmm. know, because I just covered that. But, you know, who knows? What would you say was the worst part of writing a book? Uh, the worst part was having, I guess, you know, the opposite of the good was having to revisit stuff that I didn't want to think about mm -hmm. and people that I had forgotten for a good reason and <clears throat> maybe some uh, uh, just the edit. The edit was tough. Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, Reliving uh, things is one thing, but then like having to relive something in an edit mm -hmm. is uh, another thing. But it was also very therapeutic being able to remove the things. It's like the playlist that I made today on Spotify. Mm -hmm. I only put the small songs that I really liked. And mm -hmm. if there was some that I didn't like, I just didn't put them in there. Right. You know, so it's kind of like you choose what radiates to your listener mm -hmm. you know and I, I think that the book has taught me that that power that i have the edit yeah so the edit was painful but rewarding so the book led to an opportunity to do an audio book yes yes explain we, that process how that's been so that was tough you, because i got to watch you go through the whole evolution of that process yeah. so explain that to everyone um you know i really love <laughs> writing music and I love rapping and recording and doing the production and everything in the studio doing an audiobook is not that process <laughs> it is completely opposite and if there's one thing that I learned that was more valuable than anything uh, was about myself in reading I don't read well if it's the first time that I read it but I think that's something, too, that is valuable that we found out about you through all yes. this. Because we've always picked, I've always picked at how you spell and stuff. But then we figured out through all this, you were like, I just don't think I'm a good reader. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm not I, a good reader. I love that in spite of that, you're still so determined. Well, it was a tough, because I'd never read mm -hmm. out loud mm -hmm. that needed to be recorded. Mm -hmm. And that's not like sitting here having a conversation into a microphone that's not words being read off of paper. Exactly. There is a whole other brain process mm -hmm. that's happening whenever you're having to read something Well, and they've on had paper. research design that showed that our, we weren't made to read. We learned to read. Like, it's something right. we learned. We so learned. We, I've enjoyed Watching your perseverance through that to become a reader. You've become a reader through writing a book. So I never read out loud to record or mm -hmm. to be heard prof professionally other than my kids and myself. Right. Or if I was reading an instruction manual out loud, which that was usually not my job. 
Um, I just don't really read. And when I'm, I'm find myself standing in the vocal booth at D-Rays, cutting the audio book, I realized that I suck at reading. And it really bothered me to be a 43-year-old man who feels educated, mm -hmm. but now can't read out loud. Mm -hmm. And it's, I can read the words. I know the letters. I know the words. I see the sentence. It's your story. It's my story. I know it more than anyone, but reading it was so difficult. So, mm -hmm. um, and the first day, man, if we had the uncut tape, <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure that, uh, D Ray and Hef, whenever they had, when Hef had to go through and edit, mm -hmm the audio book he had to cut out so much cussing i mean i threw the book across yes. the studio i was so angry at myself for not being able to do this because i felt like i was capable i felt like i was educated enough and definitely talented enough vocally to go into a a booth and record something i've recorded lyrics for years mm -hmm. off well, of paper and you sent something to me that I feel like was so, um, it, it just, uh, it jarred me when you said it. You said, I feel like that little kid that had to sit at the kitchen table and do my homework. Like, I feel like I just don't know, how, like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I even know how to do it. I just can't do it. And so it was funny to hear you say, like, I feel like a little kid again having to do homework, do yeah, the audio book. It was terrible. But you learned so much about yourself. Yeah, and it was an easy fix. Once I learned that when I read something the second time, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem reading it. So what we did is we would just, I would read the sections. Mm -hmm. I would pause. Digest it. I would read it. And then I would say, okay, let's go. And then I would be able to breeze right through it mm -hmm. and to add punctuation and mm -hmm. feeling and energy mm -hmm. and to the whole thing. So definitely the audiobook was more, shit, probably more therapeutic than the actual book because I, I learned like a major thing about myself and it's not a disability it's it's an ability mm -hmm. like I know that for me to be a better reader it has to be read out loud the second time now I go into any situation where I'm having to read something or do a speech or anything and I pre-read before I go in because I know mm -hmm. that's how I work mm -hmm. so that was a that was a big learning uh thing for me and then I think also doing the audiobook, uh, it it reminded me of drama class. Oh, cool! You know, I yeah. think I got some nostalgic vibe from whenever I was in drama. Yeah, because when you read aloud, it is kind of an acting. Yeah, you, you have, do to, have act. to have a certain tone. You do have to mm -hmm. have a certain. Because people are going to listen to it. Yeah. Let's let me see. I've got a clip from the audiobook here. Mm -hmm. Let's pull it up and let's just do a little example here. Uh, see if we can dial this in. This is the uh, My Life in a Jar, the Book of Smo, somewhere in the early years of my life, probably. He got me into Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, and the Beastie Boys. I love the Fat Boys. Hell, I thought I was one of them. We also liked a lot of rock, so when Def Leppard came out with Pour Some Sugar on Me, I used to perform like a rock star. 
My aha moment happened when Vanilla Ice first hit with Ice Ice Baby. I had an epiphany. Wow, a white boy can do this? I love Vanilla Ice. He helped light that hope in me way back in the day. I caught the bug for rhyming, and as hip-hop grew, I grew up right along with it. See, Where we can, live, there wasn't much. You can tell I'm influence. not like the we best reader that there is, break. but I did give it my best shot. Oh, there's the rain again. The rain's coming. Uh, and this was not. I loved it. It was perfectly timed. <laughs> that was not part of it. Um, I did hit that on accident. But as you can hear, like the book, uh, the audio book, it's me reading the book. And then, of course, uh, let me see if I can go to another part of it real quick that has um so your brother was yes. uh was one of the readers on the book let's yes. see if we can get we to tried it. to do our own brooklyn street dance b-boy dj stuff right there on the farm we had the breaking movie soundtrack and the poster was step-by-step breaking dance moves on it i even did a performance at a dance at my grade school me and my buddy stuffed pillows under our shirts and came out on stage to perform fat boys Wipeout. i knew at the age of 10 this is who i am the boy you see, oh, you were about to come in right there. Um, see, I, let me just stop right here and just say this. That feels like drama class. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like uh -huh. that feel because it's almost like, and I guess I'm going to blame this on early voiceover production that I had to do when we used to do voiceover classes and commercial classes in here. Mm -hmm. And then the TV show having to do OTFs and mm -hmm. BTS and like all that stuff um, that did help prepare me for this audiobook mm -hmm. because I was more it's like doing a monologue <clears throat> yeah it's like doing a monologue it's almost like we need it's like snap being character mm -hmm. you know and that takes some time to figure out yeah how to be in character because I was going straight from like mad 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 slam the book blah 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 to like i loved cows i loved cows we were out on the barn just hanging out doing our mm -hmm. thing and i tell you what you know because there's a way that you have to tell the story in the tone oh yeah that people are used to hearing mm -hmm. that makes it all make sense mm -hmm. so i think what we're, we're about to hear you actually reading in the book i'm not sure who this is for? Probably for your my, mom, my mother. Talking about y'all lips. All right, let's see. F and the Fresh Prince parents just don't understand. They'd record themselves and pretend they were doing the singing. They did pretty good with all the words. John would always play Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and back when we were hanging brother. out at his uh -huh. house. I was into Hank Jr., so I kind of got him listening to Hank. He became a big Hank Jr. fan though, and even had a red '57 Chevy model car he decorated with Hank Jr. all over it. He got me listening to Run DMC. And it's kind of funny now. As a young kid, we got tapes right. in the So mail you can see us. that's your brother, uh -huh. him reading the part of Travis Fultz. Yeah, so Ben read all the male voices. You read the parts for my females. mom. And, yeah. And so I got to be, yeah, I got to be Mary Jane and the girls. It was and harder being the girls than I would have thought. I yeah. had to really channel my inner murmur. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, so the audiobook was. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, I love the audio book. It was so much fun. It was a ton of fun. I would have to say my favorite memory of the book was when it was shipped to Mexico. Oh yeah. And we did the final edit in Mexico. Yeah, we did the edit in a lot of places. Yes. We did the edit in Denver. We started the edit Here. in Denver after a wild car chase. 
Yeah, down we, the driveway. We started to edit here. We which, started the. I started the edit here, which led into <laughs> which led into us starting the edit together. Yeah, which was a big growing. Yo, if you know how to use the search magnifier on a word document, it can change your life. Yeah, you can eliminate. You can people. search words and delete them <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah. Um, so we learned that, and then we started in Denver. Yeah. Then we worked on it when we were at Holiday World. Yeah. Wrote it in Holiday World and then finished it up here in the studio for the first real edit that was sent it off. off. Yeah. And then our first paper copy of it that came to us bound. Came to Mexico. Came to Mexico. Mexico came to Samuel's house. Yeah, Samuel got it for us and then we Yeah, so my old tutor in Mexico from ten years ago, he received our first copy of the yeah. book for us. And then we met him and got it. Mm-hmm. And then went to a park yeah. and did the the final edit. Yeah, we went to Bosque de Chapultepec. Say that again? Bosque de Chapultepec. Excellent. <laughs> We're real proud of you Thank and you. your ability to speak of the lingo. So, yes, we while you fed a gummy worm to a, a squirrel, squirrel in a tree in the I park. Guilty as charged. Yes. So that was that's my favorite memory of the book is finishing it and reading it in Mexico. Yeah, that was nice, and then receiving the books. Gosh, that was so fun! Like getting. Thank the, God, Matt Julian was here. Getting the first <laughs> few boxes of the hardbacks. That was that awesome. Was, that was awesome because there were a few boxes mm-hmm. when the paperbacks came, mm-hmm. and there were eighty-seven. How many boxes are there? You mm-hmm. numbered them. They. 52. 52. 32. 52 times 32. It's a lot. It's a lot of boxes. We have 1,800 books. Yeah. So if that math's not right, I'm sorry. I need to go and if you want to buy 1,800 of them, holler at me. <laughs> or just one. Or just one. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the book being done, and now the book being in possession, and mm-hmm. now we're selling the book. It was on a billboard. We did. We got a billboard on 231 to advertise the book. Um, or 231. On I-24. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said 231. Because um, we were headed to 231 via so. 24. So we we got the billboard. <laughs> we did some advertisements, uh, graffiti ads. Mm-hmm. And it's sale, on sale now. Yeah, and now it's on sale. Mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble and Smomart.com. Mm-hmm. And very excited about moving into our new line of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Book signings. Book signings. Yeah. I've been touring for a long, long time. And let me be clear. I love to tour. I love a good show. I love a good crowd. I love a great sound system. But getting all those good, great things all at once in one location is rare. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really tired of being disappointed out on tour. And a book signing is at six thirty p.m. Yeah, there's just some there's Not some evolution <laughs> there's some evolution in my life that I'm just like nah, I'm kind of tired of doing midnight shows at a bar full of drunk people. Oh, when you can be at a cozy Barnes and Noble. Yeah, when I can be at a bookstore doing a book signing, talking about everything that I've done instead of still trying to prove that I'm capable of doing it. Um, yeah, catch me at Barnes and Noble. Speaking of the book signing, let's talk about that. So, so we've, we've got one mm-hmm. coming up December the 10th, mm-hmm. Murfreesboro, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble mm-hmm. at the Avenue. Mm-hmm. That's where we met. Yeah. 
not at Barnes Noble, right but right next door. Yeah, Bar Louie. So if you do come to the Barnes and Noble meet and greet or the book signing slash meet and greet uh-huh. on December the 10th, you could go over to Bar Louie mm-hmm. and have a drink where we met. You could listen to things for you. And you could, yeah, this is something for our true fans. True fans. If you get the album We The People, mm-hmm. listen to Thing For You, mm-hmm. go in the Bar Louie where that song was what it was written about, where we met. Get a sweet tea and appetizers for two. Yep. And then go across the street and come talk to me about it at Barnes & Noble. Yeah. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. on December the 10th, mm-hmm. which is a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Turning up on a Tuesday for book night with Smo. And you can either bring your copy that you've already ordered online Cyber Monday... Or, or you can pick up a copy there from Barnes & Noble. They'll have plenty. Yeah, they'll have plenty there. Uh, but overall, man, the book is a masterpiece in my eyes. It's something mm-hmm. that even my brother mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving Day said that I should be proud of. Excellent. So that means a lot coming from him. And I want to thank him for being uh, <clears throat> part of the cast. Yeah. On the guest list. And feedback from people who have not been directly a part. We've been getting information back from people. Um, Your business manager. Yes. Katie. The ever so precious Katie Katie Moore. She said she read it. She loves it. She loves it. Um, We had a visitor out from Riversboro Pulse who did an interview, an excellent write-up about the book. Yeah, from the Pulse. We appreciated his Mm -hmm. visit, John Little. Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, it's a great book. And if you're into reading books, then I suggest you get a copy of it and have me autograph it for you and just hold on to it forever, you know, and share it with, with everybody. It's, uh, it's, my, it's my story. It's my life in a jar. So uh, pick up a copy. Mm-hmm. The audio book will be coming out this holiday. We're trying to get it out before Christmas. It's written on a seventh grade reading level. Yeah. So ability... Yeah, Anybody you, could read it. If you feel challenged by, um, by a, a book that's a little too... And I'd say young adult. Yeah, this definitely is definitely young, a young adult, adult appropriate. I don't know so. if I would... I wouldn't... It's not... Uh, it's not a ninth grade book. Yes, it is. Is it? Have you read a ninth grade book? No. Yeah, The Crucible. Okay, so it's right... What's the age limit you think on this? That's what I... I said it's young adult, like okay. 13, 14. Okay, so... I would say... I would say that it's definitely... PG-13? Written, yeah, it's definitely PG-13. It's if PG-13. you would let your kid hear the word shit... Yeah. I, I, we don't go too hard in no. the book. Yeah. No, we... And that was intentional. Yeah. We wanted to be able to share it with a broad Yeah, audience. so if you do get the book and you're like, ah, this feels <laughs> like a dialed back version of, you know, like maybe the fa- hashtag fan etiquette smo... Well, I wasn't angry mm-hmm. when I wrote the book, mm-hmm. and we edited it so younger mm-hmm. people could enjoy it because I love my little kinfolk, and I think that my story could be inspiring to uh, anyone who reads it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so I'd definitely say be something to pick up for any Smo fan. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, you've been listening to the Smo Knows Podcast. I'm your host, Smo. And I'm SB. And thanks for listening to Smo Knows.
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Smono's Podcast. My name is Joshua Clifton. I play guitar when you see us live and I produce this podcast. Listen, we appreciate you checking out this podcast. And if you haven't, check out Smo's book. We spent the whole episode talking about it. So you should pick yourself up a copy at his website and email us at smonosepodcast at gmail.com smonosepodcast at gmail.com and tell us your favorite part of the book. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, and we'll see you next time on the Smo Nose Podcast. I was lost, but now I'm found. Had to pick myself off the ground. Can't stop by the world, keep